Welcome to the Pre-PT Grind Podcast. Before we begin this episode, we would like to thank you for choosing to invest time and knowledge into yourself as a pre-PT and future physical therapist. This episode has been sponsored by our new Acceptance Navigator series, which is a free four-part video pre-PT series where we teach you exactly how to dominate as an applicant by learning the new way to PT school acceptance. Learn how to finally get into the driver's seat as a pre-PT and not leave your acceptance to chance by shooting in the dark and hoping for the best as an applicant. This series is the most value we have ever given away and it's free at www.acceptancenavigator.com. That's www.acceptancenavigator.com. Don't miss out on your chance to get in the driver's seat of your acceptance. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the rest of the podcast episode. Hello, everyone. This is Natalie, and today I'm chatting with the Director of Admissions for Baylor's Hybrid Program, Dr. Unverzat. That was good. (laughs) Okay, so first off, thank you for taking time out of your day to chat. So let's jump into the questions. Okay, in five minutes or less, tell us about what led you to the profession. Fair question. Uh, Well, first, thanks for having me. This is a, a joy and a pleasure to be here, so I appreciate it. What led me to the profession, in a sense, I'm kind of boring, I think. I've got a stereotypic kind of history that led me to PT. I think throughout high school and even early college, I was really driven towards orthopedic surgery uh, or neonatology. Figured I was just going to go kind of down the, the medical route. And when I really started to look into it, I reflected back on my time as a soccer player throughout high school, and I realized that at least for me, and I'm not saying this experience was true for everyone, but the dads who were the orthopedic surgeons never at the games. And so I realized, well, shoot, yeah, I sound like a really fun career, but I want to be at my kids' games. I want a life outside of my job as well. Soon thereafter, sprained my ankle. Nothing tragic, severe, nothing really. I was a bit of a wimp, actually. I had my first exposure to PT, and I quickly fell in love with it and realized that these people actually had lives outside of their jobs. They appeared to really enjoy their job. And I would hedge a bet to say that they were at their kids' games. And so I think I was sold hook, line, and sinker after that. Awesome. Okay, next question. Students put extra work into bettering certain parts of their application to be an all-around good applicant. Since every school values different aspects of the application, what would you say is an aspect of the application that you value most or that catches your attention when seen on an application? Good question. I think I've got a bit of a soft spot for students that may or may not actually shine on paper. So I went to a pretty challenging undergraduate institution, University of Puget Sound, uh, up in Tacoma, Washington, and I I struggled. I mean, really, you look on paper, I was not a shining star when I graduated. So I I really wonder why does someone eventually let me into PT school? And I don't know, but I do know that, okay, fast forward 15 years or so now, as we look at applicants, I really look for probably three main things. One, we look for a, a track record of academic success. So as much passion and perseverance as people have, you also don't want to invest two or three years on $100,000 in a PT school only to not pass your boards or only to not actually make it through the program. And so, yes, I mean, academics, uh, they have weight, uh, especially the last 60 hours of someone's academics. 
So a lot of people had a lot of maturing to do that freshman year of college. Maybe their grades weren't so stellar. They matured into that sophomore, junior year, then eventually senior year, you know, they crushed it. I'm really interested just to see the, the past 60 hours. Uh, so I think one, we look at track record of academic success. Two, uh, I look for soft skills. Uh, and so just because you are a great test taker and succeeded academically, doesn't actually mean you can relate with a patient. Uh, this is very much a relational profession. And I've turned away lots of 4.0 students who in an interview clearly cannot communicate with a patient. And so uh, we pick up those soft skills via uh, essays, via the letters of recommendation, as well as an interview. Probably the third thing we look for too, is just someone's story. Why is it, you know, you're really interested in PT? How, how have you actually gotten to this point? And, you know, no, not everybody has an elaborate story, but I think there's a lot more stories out there that need to be told that students aren't actually telling in their application. So we really look for, kind of like I said, that, that story that is to be told. Uh, I think our department chair actually said it best at orientation here back in January. He said, some of you guys are academic superstars. You know, top 10% of your class, you were easy admits. Most of you weren't top 10%, but you're solid academic performers. Your soft skills were impeccable. You know, your, your grit was evident. He said, there's a handful of you that, yes, you met minimum requirements, maybe barely, but we just saw a whole lot of potential in you. You know, there's something in you that actually caught our eye. And I will say that that just relates to their story. Wanted to give people an opportunity. Awesome. Okay. For a student that visits the campus, there's a good chance that they will only see so much of the campus or the program. What are some of the things that are unique about your program that a student would typically not see on a tour, but rather only a student in the program would see and or experience? I would say everything about the program is unique. And this is where you can tell me how much you want to go into the background of it. Baylor's a two-year hybrid PT program. Two years, not three. It's, you know, you can live geographically removed. So do you want the whole background on how the program works or really what a lab immersion actually looks like? Totally up to you. Whatever you want to talk about. Okay. So, I mean, Baylor's program is unique in, in the sense that it truly is hybrid. It's not online. Online would just be scary. You don't want to go to an online PT school. Um, but hybrid in the sense that we usually go through six to eight week blocks of online content via asynchronous material and synchronous. So asynchronous content, think of it like pre-recorded lectures. So we'll fly to Chicago or this uh, film crew will actually come to us to create some, some very high quality video lectures. You see our face, you see our PowerPoint, professional level. So individuals will watch those, they'll do their readings, and that really prepares them for synchronous sessions. So synchronous sessions, I actually just got off the sync session 10 minutes ago, are times that the entire class logs in at the same time to more or less review and highlight the material they've already watched from that asynchronous lecture. So today we're going over rolling patterns to stand mechanics. So students that already watch those lectures, so today we just got to bring case examples and really answer a lot of questions. Super interactive time, and it's actually really fun. So we'll move into gate on Wednesday, so right now, students are, are going through their gate preparation in order to, you know, attend that, that synchronous session on Wednesday. So you do this for roughly six to eight weeks, and then everybody from all over the country flies or drives to Waco. Uh, so the program has been in Dallas for the last couple of years. We actually moved it to Baylor's campus here, uh, here in 2000, or two, excuse me, 2020. And lab immersions are anywhere from six to roughly 15 days in duration. And that's where there, there's no lecture to the labs. Now it's finally, you get the chance to practice the hands-on skills 
that we've been talking about for the last six to eight weeks. It's really how Con Ed has been taught for the last decade. We're finally just bringing it into, into or entry-level education. The thing that's unique though, is yes, you've got your, your two core faculty that taught your course online, but we also bring in adjunct faculty. And adjunct faculty are not, you know, students who are one year above you, they really are experts in PT from across the country. They, these are treating clinicians. And so if I'm teaching a therapeutic exercise course, I'm gonna find those individuals across the country that, that are the best PTs when it comes to Therex. We're gonna fly them in for labs and they're gonna be your adjunct faculty. So really you are surrounded by anywhere 10-ish you know, adjunct faculty that are just second to none. And so it, to kind of go back to the original question, you know, what will someone experience if they come to lab? a highly structured, highly effective environment where excellence is expected. We really focus on getting a lot of reps in. So let's say we're practicing a particular manual technique. We've got a structured way that we actually organize things in order to practice the technique on someone, move to the next person, move to the next person, move to the next person. You can expect a lot of faculty engagement as we go through it. And it, they're long days. I mean, lab immersions are really from eight to five. They're all day. Yes, you get a half day off somewhere in that extended lab time, but they're intensive. So by the end, you feel like, all right, now I understand and can really assimilate all the information that we've been talking about. Now I've got the hands-on skills, then everybody goes back home. You do it again for another six to eight weeks, then you come back for another lab immersion. Totally novel approach to PT education, but what it does is it allows us to bring in students who otherwise might live geographically removed from a particular program. So it gives them an opportunity to attend. It gives us the opportunity to handpick faculty so truth be told, there's a huge faculty crisis in BT education right now. We've got the opportunity to say, you know what? We want to find the best anatomist in the country. Let's not make him move to Waco. Let's actually find him. Oh, he's in Las Vegas. Great. Let's hire Dr. Pointadura. Let's find the best neuro BT. Oh, right. You know, he's up in the state of Washington. Boom. Let's hire him. Great. He doesn't have to move. He just travels in for labs. So it makes faculty recruitment an absolute dream. Uh, this also makes it so... We can get the program done in two years instead of three, which is the price of PT education. The sooner you can get in, the sooner you can get done, the sooner you can get out and do a residency or some sort of post-professional training, the better off you are. So that's really our, our model in a nutshell. So going off of that and where students are getting their education through like the computer and stuff, what kind of resources does Baylor have to help those students obviously keep up their grades, keep up with their work? Do you have like some type of like an online tutoring program or like when they come to campus for their lab immersion, are there any resources that they can take advantage of if say like they fall behind or they're struggling with like anatomy? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. And I should say too, there are some students that live in Waco or kind of the Dallas kind of metroplex area. So they're really drivable and I will just call them local students. So, you know, we have a campus, we have a facility, just like any other PT program that students will come and study at saying you don't have to live there. So what kind of resources do we offer? I think one of my big concerns, I took a job with a, a model like this is like, am I really going to get to know my students? I will say, I know our students significantly better than any other PT program I've been involved with, largely because of our accessibility. And much like I'm talking to you right now, uh, if students have a question, they don't have to wait for office hours. It's not as if they need to come to my office between you know four and six o'clock in a given day. You got a question, shoot me a text, shoot me an email, let's hop on Zoom, let's hop on Skype, and let's just hash it out right then and there. So 
be it good or bad, I'm sitting here standing on my, or walking on my treadmill all day, so I'm here for students. And it's the same with all faculty. So resources, I think one is faculty availability. Two, uh, we've got uh, Dr. Kendra Ganyan. She's our Director of Student Affairs. Unbelievable asset to this program. All that she does to coordinate student interaction and really faculty engagement with our students is it's truly profound. I don't even know there's a position like that. So long, well, I guess once students actually get admitted to the program, uh, then we start to gather data on them from what's their grit score, what's their, their strength finders index, there are different personality indexes or indices. And we, we put them into more or less a pre-orientation group so they actually get to know each other. At orientation, she actually spends a lot of time trying to figure out how do we form these groups, and you're put in in an advising or a coaching group. So every faculty member has roughly eight to ten, you know, individuals in their coaching group, and that's kind of like your first family. So in a bigger program, you might think, oh, I'm going to get lost. No, um, you've got your first family that that's really your your point of contact with any big concerns. I think the other big thing that we utilize is a program, something called CompSych. CompSych is an amazing resource for our students who've got significant, you know, anxiety issues or, you know, whatever's family issues. We've got a lot of traditional non-traditional students, so there's big life events going on, you know, outside of PT school. I'm no counselor, uh, and so what do you do? Yes, you can go on campus to Baylor to access those resources, but what about someone who lives you know, removed from Waco? That's where we've actually purchased CompSych for them, which offers everything from counseling to budgeting to a whole host of services that are really free for the student. So I, I really do thank Dr. Ganyan for setting all this up for the students. And you ask any of our students, and I think they would say they're well cared for when they're struggling. Going off of that too, for students who do have far travel mm -hmm. for labs, does Baylor provide any resources for housing when they do come to campus or are they responsible for that on their own? It's funny. We tried in the past to actually find, you know, cheap lodging or, you know, kind of community housing for everyone. And what we learned is students were much smarter than we were. They found better prices. They found better lodging than we ever could. And so we really have taken a bit of a hands-off approach. And what most students do is they connect with three to five other students and they just get an Airbnb. And it, I mean, all of our lab dates are determined well in advance. So I think for the most part, students uh, who just started here in January, they have their lodging already booked for probably the first two or three lab immersions. Yep, it ends up being, I think we did a survey, somewhere like 18 to $22 a day lodging, which it's not bad at all. No, not at all. Okay, next question. For any student who applies to your program, what can they expect on the timeline of the decision, as well as does your program conduct interviews, and what could they expect during those days? Yep, so for one, our application cycle is a little bit confusing. We've got a split application cycle, meaning that we start in January. So as of right now, we just have one cohort each year, it starts in January. Well, the way PTCAS is actually designed is really for fall launches or summer launches. So that means is our application is open from January until May 15th. And PTCAS shuts down, uh, which means, okay, we can't take applications then. We can start taking them again in July and then July through October 1st. So two different windows for the same exact class that starts in January. But we also do a rolling admissions. What that means is we do not wait to get all of our applicants and then start sending out letters. As you complete the application, you hear from us usually within a week to two weeks. So your application is first submitted, 
if you're offered an interview, you typically get it within a week. You've got, I believe it's five days to actually complete that interview. Once you complete it, you tend to hear back from us as an as a admissions uh, committee within about seven to 10 days. So it really is a pretty quick turnaround by the time you actually submit your application to the time that you hear from us. And yes, we do do interviews. I, I still don't know how you can actually identify someone's soft skills without doing an interview. I find them so key. Does that mean you need to fly to Waco? No, you don't need to fly to Waco. It's the other good thing about a hybrid program is we really leverage technology. So we do what we consider asynchronous interviews. And so if you're invited for an interview, you're given two kind of prepped questions, two things to be ready for, and then the rest of the questions are, are randomized. And so you, you log in to a certain website that we give you, we give you an access code, and you see my ugly mug pop up on the screen and I ask you a question. And then you got 20 seconds to think about your response, and then all of a sudden camera turns on and you are recorded. And so you've got a certain time frame to record your response, Boom, you close that one, then I ask the next question. And what's great with that is our faculty, I should say the reliability of our interviews tends to improve dramatically because we can all look at the same exact interview. And our, our faculty really is vested in this admissions process. So there's a primary reviewer that looks at the applicant. There's a admissions committee of three of us that looks at it. Dr. Walker, our program chair does. Uh, the actual graduate admissions department looks at each applicant. So by the time that someone's actually offered admission, they've had at least six people review that application and really vet them for success. That's cool. Okay, next question. For many students, they're going right from their undergrad degree to their graduate, while others may be non-traditional. No matter what the case is, everyone may experience first day jitters. What can students expect on their first day of class in your program? First day of class, you're gonna be terrified. That is true for our program and every other program across the country. In that sense, we are not special. We spend a lot of time with pre-orientation work as well as on-site orientation to make sure students know what to expect. And this is where you know, the whole technology piece introduces a different kind of flair to this. And so students all bring their, their computers to lab, or excuse me, to the on-site orientation. And that's where we go through checks to make sure that the actual you know, LMS or the actual learning management system works well. That means all the different plugins that need to happen, you know, they're actually functioning well. We run through practice synchronous sessions to make sure everything's up to speed. So kind of the technology piece is removed because we've been through all of it. One thing we've learned since our first cohort, I think we, we poured it on kind of too fast, too heavy early on. And we learned that by that second, now our third cohort, to kind of ease them into it a little bit. And so week one is not easy. I'm not going to try and pretend that, but it's a whole lot easier than it was a couple years ago. For example, we tend to break semesters into mini-mesters, which is kind of like a half semester. I think with our first cohort, we had physiology being one mini-mester. We realized, whoa, that, that's too fast, it's too much. And so now we actually teach over an entire semester without more content. So that way it is a bit easier to stay up with it. I mean, still, most students look at this just kind of like a deer in the headlights. So I actually had a, several coaching sessions today with students, just asking them, all right, you are you know, four weeks into the program now, how do you feel like it's going? And they all said, okay, that this is a lot of volume to get through. This is hard. And I think the common theme was this is not undergraduate education anymore. And it's not. You don't earn a doctorate without putting in the work. So there's a lot to do with it. One thing we really push as you adjust to the volume, really is new, st or new study strategies. So no one is accepted to PT school and they're not intelligent. Clearly, they've got the academic chops to make it. Why do some students struggle? Often it's because they actually have poor study strategies. And so we bring in a neuropsychologist into orientation 
to really help train the students for how to study effectively throughout PT school. Not necessarily more, but how do you study effectively and really how do you set up a schedule, very regimented schedule, so you don't actually fall behind. Hopefully that helps. Yeah, no, that was good. Okay, so second to last question. We know that there are a lot of pre-PTs that have had a rough start to their journeys and may have lower grades or find themselves in a situation where they've decided to lock in later in their journey. At Pre-PT Grind, our mission is to help push and guide students to take the correct course of action to ultimately get into their PT school. We have seen it often where students have gotten into PT school with a GPA as low as a 2.4. For a student with a low GPA who wants to get into PT school, what would you recommend? Good question. There is grace for low GPA. That grace falls in that it, we have a minimum requirement of a 3.0 GPA. However, if you have below a 3.0, but you've got above a 3.5 for the last 60 semester hours, then you're actually qualified to, to apply, or essentially we'll review your application. And so that really speaks to the, the freshman or sophomore who partied a little bit too hard, grades reflected that. Okay, but I really cleaned up my act junior and senior year, boom, you're good there. And so yes, find hope if your overall GPA is low. Um, and along those lines, like I said, the last 60 semester hours really do speak volumes to us. I will say some students, you know, really trying to convey how much passion they have for the profession. Well, 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 passion's good, but I'll tell you, as we review hundreds of applications a year, every PT student says, I've got a passion for PT. Uh, and so you have to figure out what really separates you from everyone else. And so as I, I go back to one of your first questions about what do we look for? Yes, we want high academics. So someone, you know, with that 2-4, okay, that's not them. We at least want you know, on par, on track academics and signs of, of grit, perseverance, et cetera. Someone's got a 2-4, that may or may not be them. So that third category of someone who just caught our eye, who definitely has potential, who might have made some mistakes in the, in the you know, past, make sure to tell your story throughout that application. Tell it throughout your essays. Tell it, essentially have your, your letters of recommendation speak to that as well. Because that's captivating. And so... Academics is one piece. There's a lot more to an applicant than just GPA and GRE. And I would say too, a lot of students feel, oh, I, you know, I failed this course or, you know, this has just plagued me forever. What do I do? People forget there's so many different options or ways to take courses anymore. You don't have to go to the same institution to take it. Yes, go to a community college if you're looking to save some money. Programs or institutions like University of New England, they have a great online pre-health program. You can take anatomy, you can take physiology from there, you can take chemistry, biology from an online institution like University of New England at a very high level. Uh, and so we regularly refer people there who may need just, you know, a little cleaning up with their application. Awesome. Okay. And our final question, if you had to offer one piece of advice to an applicant during their pre-PT journey, what would it be? I would say, take us at our word. What, what do I mean by that? You know, I get inquiries multiple, multiple a day from students who, who didn't get in or looking to strengthen their application. And I spend a lot of time actually detailing for them what I would recommend. So I'll go back through their application and point out where they really struggled. I'll make recommendations. I'm just floored sometimes how students don't necessarily listen to those recommendations. We don't say them haphazardly, but very pointedly. And I think the common thing we tell people is, hey, you know, you struggle with anatomy. I encourage you to retake that. Your GREs are low. It doesn't just mean that you should just take them next week, but actually prepare for them. You know, we had several applications or applicants last year that did that, and 
And I said that to them. And then as they reapplied this year, the only thing that really changed, they got more volunteer hours. It's so rare for people to not get into PT school because they didn't have enough volunteer hours. So programs want to see that you've got the academic chops to really succeed, not simply that you've had more exposure to PT because I'm not convinced from a volunteer setting that having you know a thousand hours of volunteer time is that much better than a hundred hours if anything, I'd rather you went and made some money somewhere to actually save up for BT school. So hopefully that answers your question. Yes, that was great. What is up, guys? You've been listening to the Pre-PT Grind podcast, where we don't just help you get into PT school, but our mission is to make you the best physical therapist you can possibly be. And I have a quick question. Did you enjoy this episode? And if you did, I want to ask a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread our message of helping pre-PTs get into physical therapy school without wasting time and money is if you rate, review, and subscribe to the Pre-PT Grind podcast. What this basically does is tell the platforms out there that we're on is that you like our stuff, that we're doing something right, and that we're bringing value to you all of our audience. So if you can take about three seconds out of your day to rate, review, and subscribe to the Pre-PT Grind podcast and tell your friends about Pre-PT Grind, we would be forever, forever grateful to all of you. So thank you again for listening to another episode of the Pre-PT Grind podcast. We will see you on the next one.